It's a joy to welcome you once again to our midweek service, Bible study, time of reflection, time of seeking the Lord, time of finding that refreshing in the middle of the week that is so important for our daily lives. Thank you for joining us tonight. This will be the last Wednesday night, not the last live stream, but it will be the last Wednesday night that we live stream from our living room. We may live stream on live stream on Friday night from here. We're not quite sure yet. We may do that from the church. But tonight, tonight's a joy just to welcome you. Thank you for joining us. We're looking forward to just a wonderful time. I have some good news for you a little bit later on. And uh, looking forward again to the coming events at the church on this week, Easter weekend. So if we look to the Lord in prayer, we will set our hearts right in order that we might receive from the Lord the blessing that he has for us in this service tonight. <clears throat> now we need, we need to get on to our Bible study, and we're going to find that Bible study, in, uh, or the text for part of the Bible study, I should say. I think that's an accurate way right. to, to yeah. phrase it. Uh, from Proverbs chapter number 14. Proverbs chapter number 14. So let me read to you the first 27 verses. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. The mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will protect them. Where no oxen are, the manger is clean, but much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. A trustworthy witness will not lie, but a false witness utters lies. A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge is easy to one who has understanding. Leave the presence of a fool, or you will not discern words of knowledge. The wisdom of the sensible is to understand his way, but the foolishness of fools is deceit. Fools mock at sin. But among the upright there is goodwill. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Even in laughter the heart may be in pain, and the end of joy may be grief. The backslider in heart will have his fill of his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied with his. The naive believes everything, but the sensible man considers his steps. A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. The naive inherit foolishness, but the sensible are crowned with knowledge. The evil will bow down before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love the rich are many. He who despises his neighbor sins, but happy is he who is gracious to the poor. Will they not go astray who devise evil? But kindness and truth will be to those who devise good. In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. 
The crown of the wise is their riches, but the folly of fools is foolishness. A truthful witness saves lives, but he who utters lies is treacherous. In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, but one may avoid the snares of death. Wow, what wonderful counsel. And it comes under inspiration of the Holy Spirit to teach us how to think, how to act, how to live. Amen. Amen. Now, are we ready for the Bible study? Well, I hope so. We need to, and I've got a lot to cover, so we'll do what we can to do it to get through it tonight. Let's go. Okay. We're doing a little bit of review from last week, but also, before we do, I want to remind you, we're studying Triumphing Over Sinful Fear. This is an old book written back in the 1600s by a Puritan author, John Flavel. He spells his name with the same uh, syllables as navel, but we call him Flavel. And, uh, and uh, so anyway, we'll be enjoying this, continuing this study. Now next week, we will not be meeting here at the kitchen table. We will be at the church. And uh, I hope that some of you will come down there. Many of you will be there for in-person uh, study as we continue. And we move from chapter 3 into chapter 4 of this very helpful book. Uh, Pastor mentioned much about the the COVID and the politics and the and the fear that people are are facing as they continue to try to walk away from what has been kept us in terror for the last year and try to get back to a sense of normalcy and back to the life that God has given to us. And uh, we do want to be wise, but we do want to trust the Lord rather than just live in constant fear. And so we're studying this topic of fear. And this is a little hard. Pastor mentioned it's hard to figure out what is our text for tonight because when you're dealing with a topic, you kind of bounce around in the Scripture. But it's all scripturally based, and I hope that you're willing to follow along and go with me. Now, Flavel, when he wrote his book, he was trying to deal with the topic of fear. I don't know what the issue was of his day. I know what the issue is of ours. And, uh, but I do think it's very, very practical and helpful to us. He describes three kinds of fear. He describes natural fear, which is really the result of man's fall into sin. And then there's sinful fear, which is when man rejects God's way and decides, I'm going to go my own way. I'm not going to trust God, but I'm going to go my own way. And, and God has to bring some fear into their lives to try to get them back in line. And then there's this religious fear, which is basically the fear of God, where we put God uh, we, we stand in awe of God, and we submit ourselves to Him, and we are willing to follow after Him. And so we talked about it last week, and I just want to review, because I didn't get to finish up especially that last section on the religious fear. But natural fear is a result of Adam falling into sin. You remember in Genesis chapter 2, Adam and Eve were told, uh, Do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, that would have put fear in my heart. That would have put fear in my, my mind. Uh, but uh, the, 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 uh, Eve was deceived, and she partook of it. And Adam loved Eve, I think, sometimes more than he loved God, and he partook of it to go along with her. And he made the choice to go along with her. And because of that, uh, they ended up fearing God. God came to meet with them in the cool of the day, and Adam wasn't anywhere around, and God didn't, well, God knew where he was, but Adam was trying to hide from God, and, and God said, where are you? And he says, I'm hiding because 
I knew that I was naked. And uh, God said, who told you you were naked? And that was the beginning of fear. And then all the things that had to happen, the curse that came. And, and the Bible talks in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 about fear involving punishment. Or King James says, fear hath torment. Fear would not be even in this world if there was no need for punishment or judgment on sin. Uh, but the one who fears is not, uh, is not perfected in love. 1 John 4.18, again, let me just read the verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. When we follow God and we love Him completely, and we're living in obedience to Him, we really have nothing to fear at all. Fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. He's not loving God and following God as he should. Then uh, Adam and Eve's son, Cain, uh, had an evil heart, and he, he did not bring the type of sacrifice that God requested, and God therefore rejected his sacrifice, and then accepted Abel's sacrifice, because Abel obeyed what God had said to do uh, by bringing the, the blood of a lamb. And, and Cain brought the work of his own hands, and God said, that's not what I'm looking for. You cannot work your way into a right relationship with me. You simply must obey me to have a right relationship with me. And then God told Cain, if you do well, you will not, will not your countenance be lifted up in Genesis 4, 7. And if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. There's a picture in the notes there of a tiger perch, uh, pounce, getting ready to pounce upon its prey. I remember years ago I was teaching as a youth pastor in North Carolina, and we went out on a hayride in the dark at night, and we ended up at this old beat-up tobacco barn, and we went inside the tobacco barn, and I preached on that idea. And I think the kids got a real good idea what it had been like to step outside of that door into the dark and have sin crouching at the door. That's kind of what it is. There's some fear about the fact that, that when we fall into sin, we're going, to, we're going to have to deal with something fearful. In Numbers chapter 32, verse 23, the Lord warned the children of Israel to obey him and to walk with him and to do what he said. And if you don't, he says in Numbers 32, 23, be sure your sin will find you out. So there's some dread that goes along with this idea of natural fear because of sin. And as long as we're in this world, that's just going to be part of being here in the world, because we have a sin nature. Even believers fall into sin, and, and I don't want to be caught in, uh, in, I don't want to have to be judged for disobeying the Lord and walking away from the Lord. That's going to follow us throughout our lives. But we need, when we walk with the Lord, He replaces that kind of fear with the fear of God that gives us peace. Now there's a second kind of fear that uh, Flavel mentions, and that is sinful fear. And again, that is the kind of fear when we do not trust God and we say we're going to go our own way and God has to bring more judgment into our lives to get our attention. Uh, he said this, the carnal person fears man, not God. The weak Christian fears man too much and God too little. The strong Christian fears God, not man. And so the idea here is that because we reject God and we decide we're going to go our own way, God has to bring more difficulty into our lives to try to get our attention to bring us back to himself. Uh, the cause of this sinful fear, we're going to talk more about that next, next time when we get into chapter 4, but it is the rejection of the promises of God. In the book of Isaiah, there were some people getting ready to attack the children of Israel, and, and God said 
in Isaiah 30, verse 15, Thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, In repentance and rest, if you'll turn from your sin and you'll trust in me, you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. But, he says, you were not willing. And you said, No, for we will flee on horses. Therefore you shall flee, and we will ride on swift horses. And I like what Flavel said about that. The children of Israel have made a decision to trust more in a good horse than in the good promises of God. And that's what happens. That's why we have this fear of God, We uh, this sinful fear. It's because we reject God and we decide we're going our own way and we have severe consequences for doing that. It uh, allows our imagination to create non-existent dangers. Jacob did this. It's like worrying. You remember Esau was coming with 400 men, and they'd been they'd had a fight years ago because Jacob had deceived Esau, and Jacob was fearful of Esau because he was the hairy warrior, and Jacob was more like a mama's boy, and uh, and Esau had said he was going to kill him, but but his father had said, please don't do that while I'm alive, and so Jacob said, well maybe after dad's dad's gone, Esau will take revenge, and so he's scheming and trying to work out ways to appease Esau. Saw his wrath, and uh, instead of all the worry, as soon as uh, Esau saw Jacob in Genesis chapter 33, verse 4, Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. So sometimes we let our imaginations go wild and we torture ourselves because we won't trust God and we won't believe God and we won't do what's right, and so we worry and worry and worry and fret. And it really doesn't do anything but disturb our innards and give us ulcers. And I think that's what Jacob did at that time. His fear led him to worry, and his worry postponed a wonderful family reunion. And then uh, it talks about magnifying the fear of any noun. It's called inordinacy. That's a word that's very hard for me to say. Uh, in Isaiah 31, verse 1 and 3, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but they do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. The Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. So the Lord will stretch out his hand, and he who helps will stumble, and he who is helped will fall, and all of them will come to an end together. The idea here is that we trust in the wrong things, and they will not help us. It's just impossible. Uh, Flavel describes it as being like trusting in a vine, and one vine wraps itself in another vine trying to hold it up, and a vine can't hold anything up. It just kind of clings to something solid, and if you don't cling to something solid like the fear of God, you cling to men, you cling to ideas, you cling to philosophies, you cling to politics, all of that will just fall apart. We need to trust in God. That's the only place where that vine can thrive, where our trust can thrive. It's sinful to let our imaginations believe that something is bigger than a th is a bigger threat than it is, and thereby reject the solid promises of God for our protection. Again, another name for this kind of sinful fear is worry, and it doesn't do us any good at all. Now, what is the influence of sinful fear? It distracts us from trusting God for deliverance. And uh, we, it, it causes us to trust in other things. In uh, Flavel's book, he gives the example of Jehoshaphat, who made a good choice. Another confederacy of armies was getting ready to attack Judah. 
And whereas uh, before they had trusted in Egypt, they trusted in other, other uh, armies to deliver them, they trusted in other nations and other kings uh, to come in and help Israel. This time Jehoshaphat did the right thing and he fell to his knees and trusted in the Lord. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2, some came and reported to Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea and out of Aram, and behold, they are in that name that's in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord. Right thing to do. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. He set the example and the nation followed after him. And they trusted in the Lord. And they even came from all the cities to seek the Lord. And God delivered them that day. What a wonderful thing it is. I like what uh, this quote. When we drop to our knees in fear of a threat... Rather than kneeling before God to pray in times of fear, we have succumbed to sinful fear. Now, many of us are, are frightened of COVID. We're frightened of whether we should go back to church, whether we should be meeting again. Well, let's pray about this and see what God does in your heart. And then obey the Lord as he calls you to head back to church and to get back into society accomplishing what he wants us to do. In Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4, it says, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you, God. In God, whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? If God is on your side, no man can do anything to harm you. Now, what is the power of sinful fear? It causes us to do wrong things. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25, it says, The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. And we remember the story of, of even godly Abraham, and you remember this. Uh, he married Sarah, and she was actually his half-sister, but she was his wife primarily. And I'm not going to go into the whole thing about my wife and my sister-in-law and my brother Mary and sisters and all of that. That left Pastor Kelly quite confused last week. Amen. And so we're going to go on from there. But, um, but we will say this. Um, Abraham tried to, tried to mince words and get away with something. And he, he told Sarah, I said, you're a beautiful woman and they'll kill me to take you if they think you're my wife. But if they think you're my sister, they might let me live. So you tell them I'm your sister. And he did that to Pharaoh, and he did it later on to King Abimelech. And both of those kings, uh, God judged them because they just did what they thought was they thought was perfectly normal to take Sarah to bring become their wife. They didn't know she was married to Abraham because Abraham said she was his sister. And uh, and God judged both of those kings, and they said they went back and rebuked Abraham and said, Abraham, what's the matter with you? What do you think you're doing? And he, again, in Genesis 20, verse 12, said, she's actually my sister. Well, that's what happens when you try to justify and uh, you, you have this sinful fear. And you fear man, and then it leads you to lying, it leads you to deceiving, it leads you to trying to look out for your own way of rescuing rather than trusting in God. Uh, all fear is the result of sin, but not all fear is sinful. Fear is part of the fallen human nature because all men are sinners. But there is a good kind of fear, and that's what we didn't get to talk about too much last week, and that is the religious fear or the fear of God. It's a proper reverence for and a submission to God. I fear God so much, but yet I trust Him because I, can tr I, I know He's a good God, and He's not going to 
unduly punish me, especially if I'm walking with him and doing what he's asked, from, asked of me to do. Flavel says the fear of God is, is prescribed as an antidote, antidote against sinful fear. Sinful fear is a poison that will drive you away from God. But if you trust in God and you put your, and you, and you put your faith in him, him and you fear him enough to obey him, he will protect you like a mother hen protects her chicks. It's a wonderful thing when we fear God properly. We're commanded in the scriptures to constantly live in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs twenty three seventeen. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. This kind of fear is a blessing that prevents a person from falling under God's judgment. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 14, it says, How blessed is the man who fears God always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. If you harden your heart, that's when you fall into this sinful fear. Because the fear of the Lord leads to saving faith and eternal life, this kind of fear prolongs life. Proverbs 10, verse 27 says, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. And uh, God gives to those who put their trust in him and fear him enough to believe in him for salvation, not only a good life here, but eternal life to come. The fear of the Lord leads a person into, uh, the fear of man leads a person into sin, like Abraham fell into sin. But the fear of the Lord leads people away from sin. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. We read that verse. But Proverbs 16, 6 says, By the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. If you fear the Lord more than you fear the devil, if you fear the Lord more than you fear temptation, if you fear the Lord more than you fear man, you walk with God and he will protect you and he will take care of you. Now, God plants this fear of him in the soul of man. Every man has a God-sized vacuum in him, and they all know that they need to follow God. I was talking with someone the other day, or my wife was talking with someone the other day, and they said, we have finally figured out that we need to do it God's way instead of our way. That's the fear of the Lord. That's when, that's when we are submitting to God. That's when we're saying, I, I trust you, God, and, I'm, and I stand in awe of you, and I realize that your ways are far better than my ways. The fear of God is a gift that's given to those who repent of sin and trust in the Lord. Jeremiah 32, verse 38 says, They shall be my people, and I will be their God. Boy, what a wonderful blessing that is. And I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me always for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. It's, 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 it's more of a trembling because you love God so much that your heart trembles before God and says, I just want to please Him. And when that happens, you, you run from sin and you run to the ways of God. This fear puts us in awe of God. As we read His Word, read, reading and meditating on God's Word instills a godly fear. We see in the Scriptures examples of those who disobeyed God and the judgment that came to them. We see examples of those who followed God and the blessings that came to them. We see that over and over again. And God continually gives promises to those who fear him. And he pronounces judgment on those who do not fear him. We do not want to disappoint a God like this. Psalm 119 verse 161 says, My heart stands in awe 
of your words. Do you know God's word well enough to know that you can trust your God? If not, you know, I often tell people when they fall into sin and they get away from the Lord and they walk with Him, I tell them specifically, I ask them, not have you fall, have you stopped reading your Bible? I ask them, when did you stop reading your Bible? Because I know it's what happened. They stopped walking with God. They fell out of fear of God and they started fearing other things and walking back in the world. The fear of God inclines us to please Him as we trust and obey. I love that song, trust and obey, there's no other way. And we never can prove the delights of His love until all on the altar we lay. I love that verse because that's the way it is. You do not understand the blessings of God until you properly fear Him and follow Him and obey Him. John Flavel says, If His fear is exalted in our hearts, it will enable us to obey Him in duties accompanied with deep self-denial. We're willing to say, your way is better than my way, God, and I will follow you rather than going my own way. Abraham's willingness to sacrifice Isaac is a perfect example of that. You remember they were up in years, Abraham and Sarah, they had no children. Abraham and Sarah schemed a little bit, and Ishmael was born because of an improper relationship with, with uh, the, uh, the handmaid. But then, but then God said, no, that's not the one that I want to bless. I'm still going to give you a son. And way up when they were up in their 90s and 100-year-old, uh, God said, I will give you a son. And then God blessed him with, with Isaac, Isaac. And then God said, a few years later, he said, now I want you to walk that boy up to the top of Mount Moriah, and I want you to drive a knife into his chest and sacrifice him to me. And I can imagine what was going on in Abraham's mind. I can imagine what was going on in Isaac's mind. But those two men feared God more than they feared the death of Isaac. They feared God more than they feared anything else. It wasn't a trembling fear. It was, I love God. It wasn't a fear of dread. It was, I love God enough to know that he's a good God. And I will just simply do what he says. I don't understand, but I will do it. And then you know what happens in Genesis chapter 22. He, God tested Abraham in verse 1 and said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, of which I will tell you. And then in verse 10, Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know, what, that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And then you know how God provided the ram in the thicket to replace Abraham or Isaac, and he was able to do that sacrifice for God, and Isaac was spared. Because Abraham feared God, God blessed him. And then Abraham became the father of many nations. My wife and I were talking the other day in her Bible reading. She said, I didn't know Abraham had another wife named Keturah, and that he had other children because of through her. I said, yes, Abraham was the father of many nations, and God continued to bless Abraham, even up in his late years, I mean, really old years. Pastor Ennis talks about 150 years. I don't think that, that Abraham really was there, and, uh, and God still blessed him with children. What an amazing thing. Uh, this fear causes us to shun evil as we, as we honor God. Few people in all of the Bible emulated a righteous fear of God like Job did. In Job chapter 1, verse 3, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, ultimately fearing God 
and turning away from evil. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East, for there was no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. You see what we're talking about here? When you fear God, you have that religious fear that Flavel talks about. God is the priority of your life, and you want to please him more than you want to please anyone else. And then if you read through the book of Job and you get to that last chapter and those last few verses, you know that Job went through all kinds of struggles because God let the devil loose on him. And, and the devil couldn't have gotten to Job without God's permission. But we know all that happened there in the book of Job and all the difficulties and all the trials. And I would not want to have been Job in those, in those chapters. But at the end of the book, God blesses him doubly because he feared God. And he gave him abundant wealth. He gave him beautiful children. He gave him great peace in his latter years. And that's because he walked with God and feared God. Now that sums up what we did last week, and we've got about eight minutes, so I'm not going to get through this next week. But let me just give you a very quick synopsis, and we'll, we'll talk about this again next week. Because I think this is important, the use of natural fear. God uses natural fear to aid in civil government. If there was no fear of government, what a crazy world we would live in. Now sometimes I think in San Francisco that's where we are, because they've taken away the the bite of our police department and they've taken away the bite of our laws by slacking off on some of the punishment for crimes. But, uh, but natural go our government was given by God to, uh, to aid in, uh, he was brought the, give, gave, the government was given natural fear to help control the masses to help them to do what was right. Without government we would be no better than the animals. And then I, in my own thinking I was reminded of this idea of uh, there's, a, there's a natural fear that is, should be in the hearts of children for their parents. I want to obey my parents because I know that if I do wrong, I will be punished. And so this is a little bit of the use of natural fear. It controls people. It controls children to help them to do what's right. We'll talk about this more next week. I don't know if I'm even going to write more notes. I'm just going to go into what I got. But uh, God uses natural fear to aid in childbearing. God uses sinful fear. He uses sinful fear, and I'm just giving you the highlights, to punish uh, those who refuse to trust in God. He uses it to punish men who oppose him. Uh, and uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28, God told the children of Israel, he said, if, if you don't obey me, uh, you're going to be absolutely miserable in your spirit. You're not going to be able to sleep at night. During the day, you're going to be exhausted. You're going to be worn out all the time. During the day, you're going to wish it was nighttime so you could get some rest. At night, you won't be able to sleep, so you're going to say, I wish it was morning because there are so many troubles in your heart and in your mind uh, because of sinful rejection of God. And God uses sinful fear to protect his people. And uh, how there were some enemies who came after Israel, and God said, well, you're not going to trust me, you're not going to obey me. I will send hornets out in your way to chase you out of the way so my people can be protected. And we can see that in the book of Exodus and the book of Joshua. We'll look at that next week. And then God uses sinful fear to intensify eternal judgment. And uh, eternal judgment is going to be so much worse, not just because of the flames, not just because of the, of the torment, of the physical torment that will happen to those who are in hell, 
that because of all the mental anguish that they're going to go through, the memories uh, and the, the, the present torment and the anticipation of future torment and recognizing that it is never going to end. That is the result of sinful fear, rejecting God ultimately and saying, okay, then you're going to have to suffer the consequences of rejecting me. Um, and this is the kind of fear that even the devils know is true. In James chapter 2, verse 19, you believe that God is one you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? In other words, we need to put our faith and trust in God and not just say, well, I'm rejecting God. The, de the demons do, and they know there's trouble coming. And there is trouble coming to anyone who rejects the Lord. Now, the use of religious fear, again, we're just going to hit the, hit the main points. If you've got the notes, you can kind of see them quickly. It, uh, it excites believers to serve him. I love God so much. I fear God enough to know that his ways are right, and I trust him. And I don't have to understand it, but I fear him enough to trust him and follow him, and I will serve him faithfully. Solomon gave, came to that understanding after a lifetime of experimenting with all sorts of other things that did not work, and he finally concluded, yeah, the better thing to do is just fear God and do what he says. And then God uses religious fear to preserve a clear conscience. You know, if you're walking with God and you're doing what's right, you don't have to look over your shoulder all the time because you know I'm doing what's right and God's going to bless that. And uh, anything anybody else throws at me, I don't have to worry about it. Joseph understood that. He said, I will not sin with Potiphar's wife. She's tempting me. She's trying. I could get away with it maybe, but I won't sin before God because I want to have that relationship with him. How can I do this thing and be evil against God? Nehemiah said, I walked with God, and so therefore I was a good ruler, and I treated people properly, I treated people right. And there was peace in his heart because he feared God. God uses religious fear to prepare his children for future distress. Noah was a little bit afraid, I think, when God said, I'm going to destroy this earth with a flood. You better get busy on that ark. And uh, and I think that he he worked very hard on that thing, and he never let up in spite of all of the persecution and trial that he came because he feared God rather than he feared man. Now again, that's a real quick synopsis of the lesson, and we will go over it again next week in much more detail. And I hope that you'll be there, be at the church with us next Sunday or next Wednesday night at seven o'clock at twelve twelve Geary Boulevard, the corner of Geary and Franklin. We meet in the lower auditorium, we'll do some singing, we'll do some a fellowship, and then we'll have a lesson. So I hope that you'll be there with us. And we will do the live stream, if we're able to, from there as well, for those of you who cannot come. But we sure would rather see your face than just to look at this camera that I'm staring at right now. So please come next week. You know, the truth is, all men live in fear of something. You're going to live in fear of guilt because of your sin. Or you're going to live in fear of God and enjoy the benefits of that. Make your choice right now, first of all, to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. If he does that, he gives a peace that passes all understanding, and no matter what trials come your way, you know that in the end, you're going to have eternity with the Lord. And you may go through difficulties down here, but there is peace and joy coming, and there's great comfort and hope in that. If you're missing that, I would encourage you to trust the Lord even tonight. And if you're a Christian, and you're just living in misery, you better ask yourself, am I walking with God? Or am I living in the fear of man? Or am I living in my own devices? It's important that you learn to put your trust in God. When we fear God properly, we need not fear anything or anyone else. I hope that you're trusting in God. Let's close with a word of prayer.
Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, how you have spared us over this past year with so many uh, concerns over COVID and so many concerns over politics, so many concerns over so many other things that are happening in our nation and around the world. And we ask, God, that you will help us to learn to turn away from all of those human concerns and worries and fears that we have and help us to place all of those concerns in your hands. I pray for those who don't yet know you as Savior, Lord, that you'll work in their hearts and draw them to yourselves, help them to really see their need, and then to realize that you're the one who loved them enough to die for them and then rose again on Easter Sunday uh, to, to uh, save us from our sins. Thank you for that. Now, Lord, help us to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.